Oh, there he is. <laughs> the answer is no. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, welcome to Microphones of Madness. It's Saturday, and we have got a great, a very special show for you today. We have Milton Davis and Balagun Ojitade, co-authors of, among many other things, the Key Conga role-playing game, which we've been jazzed about for a while. And They're in the middle of the Kickstarter, and they were kind enough to come on and give us a shout. So, welcome, guys. Hey. Good to be here. That was the introduction. Ah, well, speaking <laughs> speaking of the Kickstarter, the Kickstarter is is going gangbusters. You guys are twice your funding level now. Yep, over twice. Yep. Wow, and, and what's it been like? Maybe a week, two weeks, something like that. Um, it's been fifteen days. We're halfway through. Fifteen days. Wow. Awesome. Yeah, this is an exciting project now. How did you guys get the idea to create the Key Conga universe? Um, Balagoon, would you like to start off? Or? I see him moving. Start off. <laughs> can you guys hear me? There yeah. you are. Yep. yep, we can hear you now. Let's see. Vocals are coming oh. in from Yeah, we've got spotty audio. Yeah, he might have to restart his browser. Your vocals are coming in, spotty. Oh, you're going to have to. Okay. Well, we, we, um, the idea of Kikonga came up. Um, it was probably about five, six years ago. And we were, uh, Balagun and I had just started working together. And we were talking about, you know, we're, we're always talking about sword and soul, science fiction and stuff in areas that we don't feel like, you know, uh, black people are being represented. And we got on a conversation of role playing games. Mm-hmm. And um, Balagun actually um, has a lot of experience playing role playing games. Uh, to be honest, this is the first role playing game I played was Kakan. <laughs> just, being, just being honest with you, and so we started talking about, well, maybe we should build a role a role playing game, um, something that would be like based on sword and soul. And um, then we just kind of just started brainstorming, and uh, we came up with the, the concept of Kakanga and um, you know, Afrocentric African based world. Um, and you know, basically, writers, I, I wish I could, <laughs> it's wish I could say uh, there was like this definite pattern on how we built it, but we just kind of just sat down and just started brainstorming. Um, started coming up with the countries, um, the cultures we wanted to base them on. Um, we wanted to have an origin story, which I kind of said, well, Balagoon, you know, why don't you do that? And he came up with the story of Dorilla and Axe. And so everything just kind of started falling into place. And mm-hmm. um, we, uh, I'm, I'm a map person. I just get out and start drawing squiggly lines and they look like something. <laughs> <laughs> and then start drawing squiggly lines between the squiggly lines, and they look like countries, and <laughs> that kind of thing, you know. And so we put the map together to give it some more substance and stuff like that. And uh, the, uh, I think one of the um, interesting parts about it was we were um, 
at a uh, pre presentation we were doing for the uh, Decatur Book Festival, and we were talking about the game, and we had just met Ed Hall. He was going to be like the uh, moderator, and mm -hmm. we were talking about the game, and he said, uh, are you guys talking about an RPG? And like, yeah. And he said, well, you know, um, I used to work with RPGs. Balagoon looked at him and said, uh, are you that Ed Hall? And he said, yeah, you know, and it comes to find out that Ed had worked with um, White Wolf and wrote games for them and done editing for them. So we started talking about the game. And, you know, once we, we had all already put it together by then and let him take a look at it, and he looked at him and said, well, you know, hey, this, this looks pretty good. You know? And um, so we went from there and developed the game, uh, got it beta tested by different groups around the country, and everybody was happy with it. Um, Balagoon put together the card system um, for, for the, random act, the random part of the game. And so basically we had been kind of dragging our feet going to the next step to get the original artwork and stuff like that until this year we decided to do the, um, the Kickstarter. Nice. And here we are. <laughs> here you are. Double funded now already. <laughs> yeah, that was very interesting. We didn't, we didn't expect it to go that fast. We were like, man, this is kind of <laughs> going pretty quick. You know, so. Yeah. So we had to, we had to come up with some stretch goals, man. Because we, <laughs> <laughs> we thought we were going to be at day twenty nine at four thousand nine hundred and ninety nine dollars. <laughs> it just goes to show you, man. This this is a powerful project, and a lot of people seem to be interested. Yeah, we've been getting a lot of good feedback on it. We really have. Yeah. Now you you say you're a map guy, Milton. Um, now I. I've always, since we read the anthology uh, back, what was that, about last year this time? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it was, it was great finally seeing the map and, and seeing how massive the cleave actually is. It, yeah. it, the continent, <laughs> it looks like the continent has been chopped with an axe. It, <laughs> that, was, that was great. Um, so you guys, did you guys did you have to do a lot of research for this or... Well, um, from the map making standpoint, that's something I've done for a couple other of my, um, um, in my map, of my novels and stuff. Mm -hmm. So, um, like I said, maps are kind of um, they usually come uh, they usually come after the stories have been written. Actually, um, usually I'm sitting there writing the stories before I even think about doing the map, and then right. I start saying, well, you know, I really need to get a, a better physical feel on this, and then I'll draw the map, and sometimes that actually alters the story. Because once I get the map in my hand, I say, okay, now I got a better visual feel on this. So I may need to move this city a little further east, you know, to make it make it match the travel distance that I've talked about in my story. And stuff. Mm -hmm. um, so the maps are kind of, um, I mean, they've just been kind of easy to me. I, 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 I've studied a lot of history, read a lot of maps. And I think the most, one of the most important books that I have in my collection is called um, The Geography of History. Mm -hmm. And it's a book that talks about how Geography actually basically affects civilizations, you know, um, how people can travel, the kind of interactions and stuff like that. And whenever I draw a map, I'm thinking about that. I'm thinking about if I'm if I place a mountain range in this area, then how does that affect, you know, the um, physical features? How does it affect the weather and stuff like that? And I try to incorporate that, incorporate that into the storylines and everything as well. So the maps are um, actually we I drew the cleave before I actually figured why it was there. <laughs> <You know? laughs> it, was, it was, I said, I wanted to draw something that was kind of like a fjord or something like that. 
Mm-hmm. And then when it was there, and we started looking at the map, and then we said, well, how did that get there? <laughs> and then that's when we, how would the people of this world explain this physical feature being? And that's where, that's where now Balagoon came up with the concept of the sleep, the sleep, the, the sleep, the real action, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And it was beautifully done. Beautifully Thank done. You. Thank you. So uh, one, one of the things that strikes me about the anthology, and I'm, I've maintained and that the anthology is a precursor to the game, and it gives you that flavor of what the settings in the game are going to be like, is that you have different, um, every, every different country is, is different. It's not monolithic. Um, you, have, you have tech levels of the equivalent of, uh, you know, Bronze Age or Iron Age, and then you have everything all the way up to mechanics and, and steampunk. Mm-hmm. So you have like a really good range of uh, possibilities for playing, as opposed to okay, this is your medieval game, this is your horror game, this is your sci-fi game. You can do it all mm-hmm. in the same setting. Exactly, and we wanted to do that. I mean. We're, we're basing the continent on the African continent itself. And when you look at the history of Africa during that time period, you had the same kind of diversity. And each country is based on a particular culture in Africa. And that's where you get the diversity in the cultures and the different, you know, the different um, uh, countries and nations. Um, the physical features affect that as well. And the technological, everything that we were doing, we were basically trying to reflect um, Africa itself, as far as the continent, and in during that time, during that historical time period, the colonial time period, and um, and it's you know you had that reference point. I, I learned I learned that from um, when I first read Robert E. Howard, and I read Conan, and you know he's talking about the Scythians and the Picts and the Aquilonians and all this kind of stuff, and I'm like, man, you know Robert E. Howard, the bomb, you know. But then I got this book one day called The Celts, and I'm reading this book, and I'm like, wait a minute. It's, uh, you know, <laughs> I started seeing all these names that were pop, that popped up in you know Robert E. Howard's things. I'm like, then I found out he was an anthropology major, and I said basically he was using his knowledge of anthropology to build this world for Conan. Mm. Uh, I kind of like took that as a cue when I started building my own worlds. I started looking at always look at cultures that I can base my cultures on. Mm-hmm. And use those as a foundation, and then you know, just kind of build composite cultures, or actually come up with, um, um, imagine different things that would be different to give these cultures uniqueness. We did the same thing; we were building composite. Excellent. Yeah, that's that's one thing that I, I noticed about just reading, not just the the Kikanga anthology, but uh, Balagun's uh, Beneath the Shining Jewel. Um, the 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 culture seems so alive. And, and so rich, and and that's that's all, as opposed to say Robert E. Howard, which sometimes kind of feels a little dry and dead. <laughs> you know, just you know, I I like Robert E. Howard. Steve likes Robert E. Howard. Um, but yeah, in in comparison, there's a lot more vitality in in yours and, and Balogun's work that that just. I, I, I wish Robert immersive. E. Howard was around. 
So, you know, pass him a copy of you guys' stuff. <laughs> Actually, sorry, sorry. Well, I think the thing about it too is that you know we um, we we um, incorporate a lot of spirituality into stories, and the spirituality is different based on the culture, the country that you're in. And again, it's basically looking at different cultures and seeing and, and comparing them to that as well. And uh, I think that's a big part of what we what we both write and what we and what we see in Wakanda that we get that you know. Um, Magic's not the same, or spirituality is not the same in every country. It's different, you know. And to me, that's a big aspect of, of giving a um, giving any kind of world a, a good feel and stuff. You know, being a, that that kind of um, came from uh, some of my studying for me, um, looking at some of Frank Herbert's work. You know, Frank Herbert, I was right when I wrote Dune is my blueprint. Dune is the first science fiction book that I read that felt real to me. I mean, I was just, every time I read a chapter, I was like, how is this guy doing this? <laughs> what is it? He's starting these chapters off with these really, you know, deep quotes. And, and I'm like, this is supposed to be fiction. Because <laughs> I was a non-fiction, big non-fiction reader before then. I, read, I hardly read any, any fiction at all. And I had read um, uh, Arthur C. Clarke and Asimov before I read Frank Herbert. But when I read Frank Herbert, some, something about his writing just felt, you know, more real to me. Than some of the other reading that I was looking at, and I, was, and, I, and I took a lot from that when I when I write. So yeah, it's um, I'm glad you guys feel that you know you get that feeling from it. That's the whole that's the whole plan. You know, that's what we hope to get when we write. Indeed. Yeah, it really feels like you could just step into the book and find yourself in one of the streets. You know. <laughs> yeah, I like that. I like that. Yeah. You treat the the characters as individuals, as opposed to uh, like Howard would treat his characters as stereotypes. A pict is a pict is a pict. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And uh, right. Oh, I was just gonna say it was. I think that made it easier on him to be able to write because he could just go go and reach into the pick drawer and get a pick character, or reach into the. Uh, the cush draw drawer and come out with the cushion, <laughs> but you don't do that. I mean, you have a frame, a cultural framework for these characters, but they're not all the same. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and that's just to me. That's just human nature. You look at a culture, and um, you have a general overview of what people are supposed to be. Right. But you always know that within that culture, people are going to be different. Everybody's not going to always follow the rules. You know, um, there's always going to there's always going to be exceptions, and and when you build a di individual characters, I think that's what you're looking at. Is you're thinking about with each character, um, like in the story um, Tim Neek, where you have these two assassins. You know, they've mm -hmm. been trained and and they're sent on this mission, and you know, overall, both of them are like, you know, we're selling into this mission, but you know, you have one of them that's really dedicated and focused on, and then you have the other guy that's kind of like. Well, you know, hey, we'll we'll do it. <laughs> you know, you know, I'm I'm kind of with this, but you know, I'm not really as hardcore. I, and you know, that's that's one reason why he had the they had the little um, the drug with them that they would you know kind of take to get their mind right. He he kind of leaned on it more heavy heavily than the other guy because of some of the doubts that he had. You know? And I right. feel like that's every situation. You all have an overall feel of what people are supposed to be doing, but then you have individuals who may be doing it for a different reason. 
and uh, and that gives it to me the individuality and stuff. And that's something that's always interesting to me is uh, showing that difference between the characters, even though they have a, a common goal. That kind of thing. Mm-hmm. absolutely. You have to have you have to have a variety of characters. Exactly. That's a, and, and that was that was a fun story to write because that was I'm usually writing stories all the time with a lot of action in it. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to write. A, I wanted to see if I could tell a story without people getting killed every other page, <laughs> and keep people interested in it. And that was that was kind of a that was my challenge I set for myself when that, that particular story. That's what long form is for. <laughs> yep. Short stories could be bloodbaths. <laughs> now. I, I, I know in uh, some of your other work, I guess the other world of uh, pre-colonial Africa and Chaga, Chaga's existence, um, you have the characters in different, outside of Africa. Um, are there any plans to expand Kikanga to, to Asia or, or other points? That's a, that's a good question. I, um, we haven't really talked about that a lot. Um, I do make hints in some stories that the Kiswala um, have some connection with people beyond Kikanga because they're a merchant people. Um, but I don't talk about it in detail because um, I, I, I mentioned that Omari Kett got his hand cannon from the east. And uh, he went to the east and he saw this weapon and thought it was cool and decided to make it part of his arsenal even though it's very inaccurate. He just he mainly uses it because it makes a lot of noise and, <laughs> and scares a lot of people. And every now and then he actually kills somebody with it. <laughs> you know, so, but, uh, but we really haven't talked about that. Maybe, I don't know, in other um, iterations of the game, we might end up including that. Um, I think we got so much to work with right now within this realm um, and what we have there. I think we kind of barely scratched the person. But it's, it's, some, it's, it's a possibility, I believe. Um. And I just forgot my next question. <laughs> so let's plug the, the Kickstarter while we're while Rodney's doing that. So right now you, you're uh, over two hundred percent of your original goal, mm-hmm. and you're working on the stretch goals, which are um, right now fancier and fancier card decks. Yeah. Right. So tell the people what they what you what the possibilities are. For support, because the game's getting made, yeah, and it yeah. can only get better. Exactly. Well, we've got you know, in addition to the stretch goals that we have, you know, we've been looking at different um, different versions of the game. You know, we do have a board game in included in the stretch goals. A um, couple other things that we're looking at, if we get even further along, are uh, miniatures. Uh, we've been doing some research on that and finding out what it would take for us to create miniatures for the game, specifically for the game. Um, I've actually been uh, talking to a few people of probably, possibly um, doing some electronic versions of the game. Um, I have a friend of mine that's just, uh, he just completed a Kickstarter to do a fight game, um, a PS2 type fight game um, versus game. And, and I've kind of touched bases with him and said, hey, you know, at some point we might be interested in doing something like that with Kakana. Maybe, you know, choose, uh, picking some of the pre-made characters and putting them in a situation like that. You know? So um, there's a lot of, I think there's a lot we can go to 
from the foundation, having the foundation now. So the more the more money we're able to raise, um, the more stretch goals we're able to reach, it kind of just, you know, just broadens the uh, releases and, and, and actually the speed at what we can do everything. So um, I know a lot of people are looking at it now and they're saying, well, you know, they reached their goals now, they're twice of what they look for, you know, uh, you know, maybe we should kind of just stop there. But, but I think that, you know, the, the more we raise, the, the broader we can, um, the, the wider the application can be for the game. Man. A lot mm-hmm. more people just enhance the playing on all kind of different levels. Because some people like the um, RPG model, some people like the board game. I've heard that board games are becoming very popular. So it just gives us so much more we can do. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Now, you, you were speaking of your friend with the, the fighting game. That Was that the one where they, they included Changa as one of the characters? Yeah, yeah, um, versus. Um, as Radi Lewis, um, I've known Radi for a long time, probably about ten years and stuff. We one of those guys that's we've been friends on Facebook forever. We just met this year, <laughs> you know, something like that. And uh, yeah. Radi has always been very serious about his stuff. He's uh, he does a number of comic books that are distributed by Diamond. Mm-hmm. He does a lot of work in the uh, Phoenix, Arizona area. And when he first got in contact with me about this game. And I was like, man, this is great, you know, because usually when you see these games, you know, you don't, people like us, independent creators, we don't get to see our characters in games. Like that. Right. And right. from the beginning, that was his whole goal is that I want to make a game that's going to have independent characters in there from creators and stuff like that. So, and um, he, he was able to fund it. Um, the video that he was showing us during the game, um, actually, he's upgraded since then. He's using the Unreal Engine now. Mm-hmm. Which uh, is giving him much better, you know, video quality and stuff like that. And so uh, I've been talking to him about what, well, hey, when we get to a certain point with Kakanga, we may want to start talking about um, doing a game based on it as well. Nice, awesome. like, a, like a fighting game or like Skyrim type of. Uh... Well, um, he had some ideals on it. Um, uh, he was thinking about uh, one of these. Um, Donkey Kong games or something like that where they have a bunch of different people where you can have a bunch of people fighting at the same time. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was thinking about something like that. Um, I, I'm not into video games like I used to. I used to be a, a great Tekken um, button masher. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I don't do that like I used to. But, um, but yeah, he's got some ideas about n- more less of a one-on-one type fighting game, but a mm-hmm. game where you can have uh, groups of people fighting together at the same time. So, like uh, Super Smash Brothers, something yeah, like that. something like that. As a matter of fact, that's the game that he referenced when he was talking about, you know, talking about. It. Yeah. Although I don't know, man. I think I think first person action RPG would be awesome. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, that might be a you know, my, that I, I really something that's something that I would kind of sit down and talk to my son about. He's a mm-hmm. real, he's a huge game. You know, oh yeah, he plays games all the time. Whenever I need references, I'll talk to him. He'll say, "Well, Dad, he's one of those guys you can actually sit down and watch him play a game and be entertained." But but yeah, that's that's that may be a possibility. Excellent. Sorry. Go okay. ahead, Steve. How about um, like uh, game modules? Have you guys thought of um, writing those as supplements so you have? adventures ready made that people can just run out of the box yeah we've been we've been talking about that um i think that's something that um we've been talking about having a couple of games for that'll be included in the original release and in the, in the release, release we're going to have 
We're also talking about game margins as well. We've been talking about that in general. Um, I've been talking about something maybe based on the Nicogen, on the uh, on the mercenaries, um, maybe like a military campaign. Um, I've kind of got this concept of uh, um, a situation where a lot of the uh, Nicogen cities are are in upheaval and they're trying to break away, and Kiswala uh, just have to send out their army to beat everybody down. You know, one of those kind of situations and stuff. You know. Um, so um, that might be something that I'll um, that we'll look at. But yeah, we've got some ideas about that. Um, we're really we're really starting to delve deeper into what's going on in the Cleve right now, and, mm-hmm. um, and that's bringing up some interesting ideas as well. Because the Cleve is kind of like hell on earth in a way. So <laughs> one of those kind of things. <laughs> I'm just gonna say that beneath the shining jewel would be a great thing to run. <clears throat> I'm, I'll just say that. <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, Balagoon has that, he has that horror thing, man, and I was waiting for him to just unleash it on us, and that's what he did in that story. He's uh, he's played around with it in some of his other stories, but when he got that story, he just said, hey, let's just get this. It's a great story. I think it has a whole different flavor to it. Mm-hmm. It's another awesome. possibility about the kind of stuff that can come out of the plea, because I had really never thought about, you know, a disease or something like that, and when he, when he was telling me about that idea, I was like, oh, man, that's that's hot right there. I never thought about doing that. You know? And I got the book and I read it. I'm like, yeah, this is this is nice right here. <laughs> I like this. Mm-hmm. Just the, oh, yeah. the, the tension. There's this one scene where um, they're, they're in the house and they go into like the, uh, the altar room and, and he does this like split screen thing where you have um, these guys exploring. They're hearing the voices and they think they're hearing it with their ears, but they're hearing it um, tele- telepathically. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Balagoon is a uh, you know you know you have to realize he's a he's a he's a director he's a filmmaker, you know, and a lot of that goes into the stories that he writes and stuff. So he's really good at you know creating those scenes like that. See uh, that I did not know about it. Yeah. I, yeah. He's, I, um, you know it. it we're, we're talking about him like he's not in the room. He's <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, Beneath the Shining Jewel was very cinematic. Uh, we, I think we mentioned that in our review of the book. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and it, was, it, it did. It added a great horror flavor um, and further proof that, that this universe can be everywhere. And you can do so much with it. And it is. It's a fantastic project. We're excited to see it. Uh, I know Steve was able to pledge to the Kickstarter right away. Mm -hmm. He'll he'll be getting a copy. Man, I had my computer out and I was looking at the clock. (laughs) He was was messaging me on Facebook (laughs) 10 minutes to go. (laughs) Get ready to drop that link. Every time we were posting something, Steve was right there. Yeah! <laughs> I had to get in there. He had to get in there right right away. Right away. And I will say that if if you're thinking of of uh, contributing to this um, and you don't know what's going on with Kikaga and you want to maybe learn a little bit about it, there's a pledge level. It's $50 where you get a copy of the book as well. The anthology book, which are our stories by Milton and Balogun, 
that is a great introduction to just the feel and the world of Kikaga. Yes. You, you want, can order it on do. Amazon or directly through MV Media. Yep. We wanted to do that because we wanted to, um, we know a lot of people weren't familiar with Sword and Soul and, and how we tell the stories and stuff. So we wanted, to, wanted something to give people a foundation of what, you know, this is what, this is the world and this is how it works and stuff like that. And just kind of take off with that. So we didn't want anybody to get Kikanga and start playing it like Dungeons and Dragons and start making, you know, evil people. <laughs> you know, European people, stuff like that. We want to, we want to know this is the world and this is how this world works. You know? So Wait, kind of uh, adjust your frame when you're when you're playing Kikanga. Yeah. No one ever makes evil characters for Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> <laughs> you have to listen to our Eclipse Phase campaign. <laughs> God. <laughs> All right. Well, um, if you want to drop the link for the, the Kickstarter, it is in the description of the video. It will be in the description of the audio version. Uh, but if you want to go ahead and announce it on the air. Okay. Um, I don't know the link to it. Let me look it up. <laughs> I just click it off. <laughs> I, I can do it. I have it handy. It is www.kickstarter.com slash projects slash mvmedia slash Key Conga, a sword and soul role-playing game. And there are hyphens in Key Conga, a sword and soul role-playing game. And if that was too much for, for the listener, the link <laughs> is in the description. You guys can <laughs> click that and, 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 and support Key Conga, the role-playing game. An excellent project, exciting project, and really deserves the love. Um. And I think with that, we're going to go ahead and and call it a night. Okay. Um, All right. So Monday, uh, we're playing Masks of Naralathotep. Um, we're Australia. Mm -hmm. uh, Friday is still a hiatus for the fungi show. And then we're back next week with our Halloween spooktacular. <laughs> we're going to take a look at a couple of old ghost stories. Yeah, I believe uh, Oliver Onions is first up on our target list. All right, so without further ado, everybody say good night, Gracie. Good night, Gracie. <laughs> good night, Gracie. Thanks for having me, guys. <laughs> All right.